You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. I'm Andrew Berkshire. I'm here with my co-host, Mary Clark. You can follow us on social media at Andrew Berkshire and at Mary C. Clark, respectively. We are very excited to talk to you today about some crazy stuff going on in the NHL because there's always crazy stuff going on in the NHL. We've got Vancouver Canucks uh, veteran JT Miller speaking out about coming back to play after their uh, COVID-19 outbreak that shut the team down for a long stretch here. And we've got Joe Yurden to come on to talk about the Buffalo Sabres, Joe Yurden of the Associated Press and Die by the Blade and that hockey podcast. We're very excited to talk to him, but this show is sponsored by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. So today on the show, obviously we're going to start out with the biggest news story. And I know a lot of people probably have a bit of fatigue about talking about the pandemic. And I totally understand that. I am the exact same way. I am sure Mary is as well. But this is a big deal. Uh, I'm just going to read out loud what JT Miller said uh, from Thomas Drantz, Thomas Drantz on Twitter, uh, my favorite Canucks reporter. He is an awesome person. Love him so much, Thomas, if you listen. Uh, JT Miller says, this is nothing to do with hockey. To be brutally honest, we're going to need more time than this to come back and play hockey. Even the guys that didn't get it aren't ready. I hope people don't take this the wrong way. I'm a super competitive guy, but this isn't about hockey for our team. This is about the health and safety of our players, their family and their children. This isn't about making the playoffs. This was quite the change up from what we normally see from hockey players. It, whether it's uh, not wanting to stand out from the crowd or wanting to appear to be tough. It's rare to see hockey players say like, I don't want to play. And it's not about what, JT Miller, just like said, just like he said, it's not about not being competitive. It's about they're worried. They're legitimately worried. Yeah. Um, and I guess for starters, um, the Canucks have been having this coronavirus outbreak for the last couple of weeks. I don't remember when they shut down, but it's been at least it's been over a week to maybe two. And they're supposed to return to play on Friday, April 16th. So that's tomorrow. Um, but yeah, it like you said, it is we never get to see NHL players speak out like this. You usually don't. Sometimes you do. And then you get, and then the players get the backlash on social media of like, why did, why did they say this? I distinctly remember the, um, uh, the Voracek incident earlier this year where he called out one of the, um, yeah, it was great where he called out one of the reporters for being a weasel. And then like a few of the members of flyers media, um, the older ones, uh, at least the old guard were like, uh, why'd you do this? This isn't why, why did he speak out? This isn't great. This is you should have just done it privately. No, speak out. The initial players deserve to have a voice here. Um, and we don't hear it very often from them. And I really appreciate when we do hear it from them. And JT Miller is right. The Canucks, in my opinion, don't need to be playing right now. Like full stop. I don't. They're not I, in a playoff race. They're not in a playoff race. There's like there's no need for them to be risking themselves and their families to be playing hockey. That doesn't in the long term really matter. 
like you said, Andrew, they're not in a playoff spot at all. They've played 37 games, 35 points. That's sixth in the North division right now. They're 10 points behind Montreal. The way they're playing, there's no, it's, they're basically out of the playoffs. I don't know the exact percentages of their odds right now, but they're probably not very good in my opinion. And I just, I don't see the need for it. Like I, it, it feels like the NHL is risking so much for so so little gain like i i don't know what the like the like diagnosis i guess has been on like the last couple of days um in the canucks i know that some people have been recovered and getting better but like i i read something that like some people are still dealing with headaches and and like stuff like that and it's still concerning like when you especially when you have an outbreak of uh, the brazilian strain right we mentioned this before like a couple podcasts ago but like yeah, it, this is still scary stuff. And especially if a player is coming out and saying it like this, it's legitimately scary still. I don't, they might be getting close to being out of the woods, but I wouldn't push them to to play. Like, I, I don't get this decision by the NHL at all. It's very quick. And it's clear that the, the, the NHL wants to finish out its schedule as quickly as possible, uh, get everything done before the playoffs and not delay the playoffs. But above and beyond the risks that uh, the players will have from like lingering symptoms from the actual disease itself, there's like soft tissue injury risks from having to play an incredibly packed schedule with very little rest, very little downtime. Like, I think I saw it was like 19 games in 29 days or something yeah. like that. It's like, it would be a very, very fast turnaround. And, and the other thing is like Vancouver also has the worst travel in the North division, you know, like they don't have a team that's really close to them. Like Edmonton and Calgary have someone uh, or Montreal and Toronto have like a 45 minute flight between them. Winnipeg is out there in the middle of Canada, but it's also centrally located. So like everything is a little bit closer. Like when Vancouver has to travel all the way to Toronto, it, it's a five and a half hour flight. I think, I think it might be even be longer than that. Like it's a long ways. BC is way out there. Uh, Canada is a very big country. They're lucky. They don't have to go to Montreal anymore. It's even further, but this is not an easy thing for the Canucks. It's going to be a grind. The NHL season is already a grind. This season was already compacted, mm -hmm. you know, like there's just so many things going on here. And I, I struggle to figure out what's the value to the NHL here. Yeah. Like, it's not like yeah. they have fans and stands, right? Mm -hmm. So like the, the Canucks themselves are not going to make a lot of money. It looks like breaking down all of the issues is they want to have every team play the same amount of games. Cause it looks better on paper, not to go by points percentage. And they want to fulfill their TV obligations, their mm -hmm. broadcast obligations. And it's like, listen, I get it. I get it. But money in this season, you're not making that much anyway. Money is not more important than lives. Yeah. And I, I applaud JT Miller for standing up and saying something because I know it's very hard. And I think that if he is saying something like this, putting himself on the line, my bet is that 95% of the Canucks agree with him. And yeah. if none of them want to play. The, the product isn't going to be good. Like the, no, the product's honest... not going to be good and it's dangerous. Yeah, yeah you know? it is dangerous. Like the... If you are, if your heart's not in it, if you're not playing 100% in professional sports, you're way more likely to get hurt. 
You know, if, if you're just not paying full attention, somebody's going to catch you with your, your head down or looking the other way. I'm not saying people will be trying to headhunt the Canucks because I, I don't believe that's going to be true at all. It's like they're a team. They have to battle for the playoffs, but it's going to be tough for them. Accidents will happen if they're not all in. And I don't think that there's any legit, legitimate reason why they should be all in. Yeah, like I mean, their feelings are completely valid. Yeah, it, it to me, it just doesn't make sense. I like you said, I get that the NHL wants to recoup the to try and recoup money, but they're not having fans in the stands. It's not. I mean, the Canucks are. I don't know how many eyeballs they're drawing. They're probably drawing enough because it's Canada, and you know, you guys have great, better, much better viewing numbers than we do, most likely in the United States. But this just doesn't. It just doesn't feel right to me. Like. A lot of things the NHL does, like, sometimes, like, get this way to me. But, like, this just doesn't feel – it just feels wrong to force them out onto the ice when they're – when some of them have, like, been battling the – like, one of the biggest, like, pandemics of our time. Like, I don't – I don't know. I can't get behind the NHL on this at all. And I guess another thing is where's the NHL Players Association here to protect its players? JT Miller spoke out um, yesterday. I don't remember what time. But it's been probably close to 24 hours, I guess, by the time you guys hear this, 24 hours since he said something. Um, but where's the NHLPA on this? Like, they're they're a union for a reason. They should be backing their players. Um, I, I don't know why maybe they haven't, like, come out and said anything publicly, again, like, f- supporting him. Like, I don't know. Obviously, I don't know the workings behind the scenes for, like, the union behind, like, all of that. But it would be great to see a public show of support from the the union and maybe try and get the NHL to stop them from playing. I don't know how much leverage the players have here, but like, it just seems to, this just seems too far to me. Yeah. And I think that's the, like the union should be involved in advocating for the players, obviously, but it seems like the NHL, if the players were to hold out would view that as a, union or striking action Mm. more than a moral uh health obligation you know it's it's a really tough situation i i just don't understand the rush i i think i'd rather delay the playoffs by a week yeah i know that they don't want to go further into the summer there's all sorts of complications with that and like but it's not like this year you have you're gonna have trouble booking arenas you know what i mean there'll be some ramp up, especially in the States of like concerts and things because vaccine rollout's been quicker, but overall, I don't think this year is going to be a a problem in uh, like booking games into like mid June, July. Yeah. And I I just, I understand that the NHL also wants the, since the draft is a huge thing too in this, I mean, we talked about the money aspect, but the, the drafting position for the Canucks also, probably is a reason why that they want them to complete all 56 games um but to me i don't get why you just don't go by points percentage at this point i we've seen what happens with the teams like the stars like the sabers like the flyers who had their covid outbreaks and then came back and they're they just didn't they just weren't able to collect themselves very well and they were so like the stars are still so far behind the eight ball in terms of like games played. They're going to have to make up still a handful of games left in the end of the season. I mean, it's just, to me, it just isn't worth it because they're so far out and they're, 
it really just makes no sense to play these games. But I guess I can understand the NHL trying to be like, we need to have set draft positions. But for me, just go by points percentage at this point. I know they don't want to do it, but we have to, we've had to do a lot of things we didn't want to do in this pandemic. And there has to be some compromise here, especially if your players are speaking out about it. There, there definitely needs to be. And I think we're, we're both in agreement that the Canucks mm-hmm. just don't have anything to play for here. And I, I think that just becomes a dangerous situation. I'm, I'm, I'm over pushing things through at the cost of lives. I, yeah. like Canada's COVID numbers are raging right now. I know that, uh, you know, vaccines are coming, but one of the reasons I, I wonder if the NHL is being a little bit stiff on this situation is the numbers in Alberta are unbelievable right now. They are terrible and Ontario is creeping up right behind them and the variant cases are climbing. So it could happen that any of Edmonton, Calgary or the Leafs could have an outbreak any day now. So if they set the precedent that a team that has an outbreak can sit out, there's a potential for the North division in its entirety to just collapse and be out. Yeah. And that, creates a lot of complications. So I understand them being bullish on this situation, but there's a difference between potential and actual, mm-hmm. and you have to deal with what you have at hand. And the Canucks just flat out do not need to be playing right now. Yeah. Uh, I do wonder if something like, I it probably is not feasible because of the amount of planning they had to do last playoffs to make it work. But like, could we just get like a bubble situation happening in the north? So like if if you'd like it, you're you saying the worst case scenario happens and another team has a full outbreak again and we're talking the same thing about like Montreal or you know, heaven forbid Toronto, who is actually like playing like like they're in the playoffs. Like they don't need to play these games since their playoff spot is basically secure, but like still, I guess is is that something that's maybe viable? Obviously we don't have like all the information, but I do wonder if that's something that might be viable for the NHL to do, like just to pull up a bubble and be like, Hey, finish up, the, finish out the season here. Or like all that stuff. I don't know. It was just something that came to the top of my head. Yeah. I know that players don't want to do another mm-hmm. bubble. They didn't enjoy it last time, but I think that if the option was like uh, cut the season short, or play in a bubble. The, start the North Division playoffs in a bubble in Toronto. I think it would probably be fine. Um, especially if the situation was like, after we figure out who wins the North Division for the last two rounds, you're not in the bubble anymore. It's like a finite period that most players, I, I believe, could be sold on. Yeah. But... I also know that there is a lot of resistance towards oh, yeah. that. Yeah. So it, it, it's tough, but there are, uh, there I, are no easy decisions, at least no, in terms aren't. of that. Um, but, and I know that I guess shutting the Canucks down for the year or delaying them probably also isn't an easy decision from the NHL standpoint, because of all the reasons we talked about to us, it seems easy because we're just talking on the sidelines here and all that, but it's clear that the players don't want to come back. They need more time. They, yeah, I mean, they've been dealing, they've been grappling with something a lot of us have been grappling with for the last year plus now. I mean, I don't know, like, how would it, I don't know how it is for somebody that gets this virus. And I, it's not something I wanted to find out, but it is from all that I've heard, it, it, it takes a toll. And I, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be in that, I don't want those players to be in that position where they have to force themselves to play while this is happening to them. So, 
Agreed. But I think it's time to talk about something a little bit more fun. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to bring Joe Yerden on after the break to talk about the Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> much more fun than COVID-19. Yeah, much Kinda. more, much more fun. <laughs> uh, Joe is a great guy. He's a diamond in the rough. And if you like diamonds, you got to check out 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at a fair pr- at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life or his. Let's not let's be inclusive. (laughs) Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a unique, uniquely beautiful ring. Ideal for engagement, Mother's Day or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life or his life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. Three words, not all one word. 10 by 10. This collection features high quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and fairly priced. So you can give him or her something special and truly meaningful. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring she or he will treasure forever, you're going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long. So find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. On today's Locked On Today podcast, get more of the sports news you need in less time. With the Locked On Today podcast, follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Welcome back to the Crosscheck NHL show. Uh, we are here with a special guest today. We're going to talk all things Sabres with Joe Yurden. From the that hockey show coming to you on Thursdays and AP, uh, the Associated Press and Die by the Blade. Joe is a longtime hockey writer. He's a vet word slinger. How's it going, buddy? It's going good, guys. It's uh, it's really cool to be here talking with you after knowing you both on the Internet for so, so long. Yeah, <laughs> this is good true. To- I- yeah, it's good to finally put a put a face and a voice to the to the name. I mean, I've known you for a long time as the noted jerk on Twitter. So <laughs> it's good to have you here. Yeah, it's uh yeah, that, that moniker sticks with me, even though it's I I call it the world's longest running inside joke. Mm-hmm. It's in a way the unification of the jerks because I am jerk shire <laughs> and you are the noted jerk. Oh boy, I guess we have to come up with something for me then. You know, we got, or we just got to be really mean on this podcast. Or oh something. boy, you know, I, don't, like... I don't know if I can do it, but I'll try. <laughs> Listen, it's very easy to be mean about the Sabers because right. they make it. This they make true. it easy, so we just lay into them. That's that. All that right. That's a good way to start. Buffalo fans are are famous for taking things very lightly. <laughs> <laughs> Although it kind of it does feel like beating up on a toddler, you know. Like it, at this <laughs> point, it's just too much. Yeah. Like I, I, I just feel bad when I'm talking I about do Buffalo. Too. Yeah. You know, like I, I'm always trying to look for the silver lining because it's just been so long like this. And I remember a time when the Sabres were, you know, a team to be afraid of, you know, mm-hmm. back when even after the Drury Breer era, they had the like Derek Roy, Thomas Vanek era where you were like, yeah, the Sabres are going to mess you up and Ryan Miller in net. But uh, it, that's a bygone era. You know, <laughs> I feel like yeah. a lot of our younger <laughs> listeners probably don't even know that era happened you know it's it's been 10 years People yeah i feel like, like i have some sort of memory since i i'm a 90s kid so i have like some sort of like little memory of the sabers being good but most of my memory has been 
with them being bad, at least, especially within these last 10 years. So we'll just, just think the last thing memory that always comes up every time the flyers and Sabres meet is, is RJ Umberger running into uh, oh, Brian, yeah. Brian Campbell. And, and then the Ray Emery, Ray Emery trying to fight all of the, the Sabres from, I know that was with, uh, with Ottawa, but you know, I always think of Ray as a flyer. So mm. I, you know, and I'm sure people are more than happy in Philly to say, oh yeah, Ray Emery, he fought the Sabres that one time. I, I, my matter. distinct Ray Emery memory is him against the Capitals. That's since that was like more recent, I believe he, that mm-hmm. he had like a thing against the Capitals too. So yeah, it, what a time that was. <laughs> Back in the glory days of Buffalo, I, I mm-hmm. think those were glory days. I'm not sure. Comparatively, they were, but not not really in the grand scheme of things. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of glory days, uh, the (laughs) Sabres trade deadline. I don't think it went exactly as people expected it to, but they Mm. did pile up a fair amount of assets. How did you grade things out? I think we gave them, did we give them like a solid C Mary or maybe a little bit lower because of the Taylor Hall situation? Yeah, I, I definitely graded them lower because of them not being able to pick up a first for Taylor Hall. Since that for me is the big thing. I know that like the circumstances around Hall wanting to go to a specific place probably is the reason why it went the way it did. But and also his play too this year has been bad, too. So but I remember giving it a lower grade than maybe you, Andrew. But C was probably I think what we what we settled on or close to it. Yeah, I I think burying that grade somewhere in the middle because, uh, yeah, the, the whole circumstances changed everything about that. Um, having the hammer with the, with the no move clause, which mm. a lot of Sabres fans were quick to point out, like, hey, Kevin Adams should fire the guy that gave it to him. And I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, about that. Right. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's probably no way Taylor Hall was going to come to Buffalo. I mean, $8 million certainly made it very easy to come to Buffalo, um, but he wasn't probably going to come here without having some sort of protection, knowing that, hey, if things go bad, they could move me anywhere, and I don't really want to do that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're, 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 they're hamstrung by that, that return. I mean, I'll give them some credit. They got a player that they like in Anders Bjork. Uh, but when you look at a trade like that and you see, you know, a second rounder next year in Anders Bjork for Taylor Hall, it's like – Really? That's that's all you got? Cool. Good work, guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's kind of just kicking the can down the line a little bit, right? It's it's interesting, but yeah, they didn't get anything that changed the makeup of their organization, which I think when they signed Hall, the potential was there that everybody kind of saw like either the Sabres are going to be good this year and like actually push for the playoffs or they're going to maximize their return on a legitimate star player and bring some pieces to the future. Now, it's not like they didn't like, it's not like it's a complete failure in respect that they paid cash for assets essentially, mm-hmm. right. For future assets. So like they got something for, for no assets within the organization, just cash, which whatever the Pagulas can spend whatever they want. doesn't affect any of us or any Sabres fan right. out, out there. So in that respect, it's a positive, but I look at the the picks that they got and a lot of mid range mid range picks, low round picks, which I think have a little bit more value this year. But do you do you see the volume of assets being used to try to make something happen quicker? Like, uh, what do you think the prognosis is for going forward with the Sabers? Are they going to try to, you know, turn this around as quick as possible, or settle in for yet another little bit of a rebuild? Yeah, they're they're in a really awkward spot 
um, because I think there's there, there's an artificial timeline that they've got to work with, uh, depending on what happens with Jack Eichel. I mean, obviously, um, having to sit out the rest of the year because of that the, the neck injury he sustained, um, which is, I mean, when it got to this point, we were getting no updates on his, pro, you know, on, on how he was doing. It was probably like, well, they're not going to play him anyways, so let's just, you know, let's just get that out of the way. But some some goofball rumor stuff had been popping up, you know, along the ways in the internet as it does when you don't get any information. Uh, so I think they, they decided to announce yesterday, like, all right, here's what's going on. We're, we're good with this. Um, but when you get down to it, I, you know, Jack's Jack's no move clause kicks in after next season. And that puts Buffalo in a weird spot because you can, you could have the hammer dropped on, on your head at any point when Jack decides, Hey, this isn't working here anymore. What, it might be time for me to get out of here um, to kind of save myself because <laughs> it's because when you think about it, I think after next season it's going to be what seven or seven or eight years, seven years uh, since his first year, and you're thinking, boy, I'd, I've seen nothing but but bad. When an 81 point season is is the best that we've done in my entire time here, mm, we might have to we might have to look elsewhere. Um, and that's, I mean, that's a fair thing for anybody to say. I mean, McDavid would probably be in the same spot had they not made the playoffs, um, that one season in Edmonton where they were a game away from making the Western finals. So, I mean, you're talking about two, you know, two modern disaster story franchises and one of them, one of them gets to skate by because their guy's a perennial, you know, uh, MVP and they made it, they made it deep in the playoffs that one season. I mean, I think about last year and how everything could have been changed so drastically had Buffalo made the bubble tournament and it was one, one win instead of a loss during the regular season. And that whole thing changes. And then, you know, maybe we're talking about Jason Bottrell not being fired. There's no discussion of, you know, not making the postseason because you'd say, well, Buffalo always made the bubble. And you know, that's, that's that, but, um, but they're in a weird spot. They're in a really weird spot and development, like development wise, they've got, very little in the pipeline. I mean, if you look at their Rochester lineup, they had, I think last night's game, they had seven players who are on NHL contracts. Never mind like whether they're prospect level or not. Um, but they had seven players out of the 20 in the lineup that were that are uh, you know on NHL deals or have any thought of being a prospect. So they're in a bad spot uh, because there's not a lot coming up and the future is not bright when it comes to that. I mean, you're hoping Jack Quinn becomes something They're You know, they're very high in Matias Samuelson. Um, Uka Pekalukanen is probably two years away from the NHL. So th- there are guys that are there, but I mean, you're talking what three, maybe three or four out of, out of that seven. And then, you know, whatever else they've got in the, in the main pipeline. So they're in a bad spot and free agency ain't going to solve it. So they got to figure out a way to use those assets to get better or take their lumps use all those picks and accumulate assets that way because they, they, they can't really afford to keep wasting time, but they also can't just afford to trade away picks just to, to, to fix what's happening now. Okay. So if you're, uh, you kind of, I guess, answered this a little bit, but I want to at least get your perspective. If you're general manager, Kevin Adams, and you're staring down Eichel's possible decision in the future to maybe move on eventually or force a trade, in the future, but you're also looking at the team the way it is. What do you do? I guess, what's your step forward, I guess, for at least next year? Do you start to move some picks for maybe some assets? Like, I guess, what what do you think maybe is the best 
course of action for them to do if they want to keep Eichel and be successful. Yeah, that that's I mean, that's like the million dollar question <laughs> right now. Um, I, I think you have to you have to find what guys on this team uh, that you could maybe move to get different players involved. And then we've said we've said for like three or four years, well, maybe now is the time to trade Rasmus for Stalinen. Well, I don't see that happening uh, just because I think the um, the uh, the bloom is off of that rose. Uh, he is what he is. Then there are still teams that really love what he does. Um, and he certainly performs that way against those teams. Uh, you know, Philly's one of them. Every, I mean, every time he's, you know, I remember being in Philly a couple of years ago and everybody there was like, Hey, what's going on with this guy? Well, well you know, what's, what's happening here. He's great. And I'm like, what are you seeing that I'm not? What are, what are you seeing that I'm missing here? And they just see a, a, a guy who's, you know, six foot four, six foot five, and, you know, built like an ox. And, you know, all the stars in their eyes go, well, he could be the next pronger. Well, I mean, that'd be true, but, you know, he's very selective in, in his physicality and um, he's not really a brute out there. I mean, he's strong as anything. He's, he might be one of the strongest people in the NHL, but he doesn't really always flex that. But um, but if you're talking about trading guys away to get other different players in, the, the choices there are pr- very few. Um, you know, maybe a Sam Reinhart, but, you know, they've got to decide – uh, you know, how long of a contract they're going to give them this summer. And that's something they should have decided two summers ago when they had the opportunity to get them done long-term and just didn't. Um, and then at that point, you're, you're kind of stuck because then the only guy you can really move to get a lot of assets is Eichel. And you don't, you're not doing that. Like you could trade Darlene and get a bunch of, get a bunch of assets too, but I don't think they're going to do that. That seems, that seems foolhardy, but um but they're they're in that weird spot where if you're gonna get a bunch of younger players, you got to give up something really good, and they're kind of limited on who the really good guys are at this point. I mean, right now they're happy that they've seen Casey Middlestat kind of shake shake off his first few years, and he's he's stepped up as a better player. Um, you know, maybe you move a guy like Victor Olafson out of there. I mean, you know, people love him; they love his power play work and they love his shot, but his five on five work has been rough to say the least. So, you know, maybe you get, maybe you dazzle some teams with a highlight reel and say, Hey, this is the guy you're going to get. And if you can figure him out at five on five, congrats to you, but Hey, why don't you give us a couple of guys instead? Um, but those are the spots that you're kind of in with these guys to, to, to get it figured out. And, you know, if they do decide to, to rebuild in a different way, it's, I mean, the, the guy they're going to, the guy they're going to move to do that is almost certainly going to be Jack. But the problem is you lose that trade nine and a half times out of 10, you're not going to get you're not going to get this the same sort of production back with whoever you get in return. And granted different general managers, but I think you look at the Sabres recent history of trading high-end players and Hall put them in a tough situation, no question, both with his play and his uh, contract status and his demands. That was a rough one, but Ryan O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. And I know we're going back a few years here. Like to me a lot of the troubles that the the Sabres find themselves in right now come from not getting pretty much any value on the roster right now from that Ryan O'Reilly trade. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know O'Reilly said that he like lost his passion for the game in Buffalo, but like his play was still phenomenal. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, I know he had his like specific struggles, but that was a guy that uh, was a first line center talent. One of the best defensive players in the league and also like top tier offense, amazing playmaker, just a hard match demon. And that deal, the more you look at it, the more it's just rough. And I know that uh, 
some Sabres pe- people in the organization and uh, fans as well really like Tage Thompson. And, you know, sometimes it takes a little bit longer for power forwards to figure it out. But I'm not seeing it yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... uh. That's the O'Reilly. The O'Reilly move is 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 a classic move of of ownership having too much say in what you're doing. Um, I, I think the thought there was that Terry Pagula didn't want to be paying somebody that didn't want to didn't want to play there anymore, and you know that's why they had that deadline of get him out before July 1st before we have to pay him seven and a half million dollars uh, in his you know the annual bonus that he gets on his contract. So. They were just like, they're like, listen, if this guy doesn't want to play here anymore, I'm not paying him. Okay, I guess. Like, but you're losing that trade every time. I mean, it, they, they came away out of that that deal not getting a, a Robert Thomas or a Jordan Cairo and, you know, end up getting Tage Thompson, which it's taken them time to figure things out. Um, I think Tage is in a spot where if as long as he learns to shoot more and not try to dangle everybody out of their skates, he'll be a better player for it. Because um, his shot, he's got a tremendous shot. Um, and he can handle the puck. That's the thing, but he's, you know, he's a six foot six, you know, power forward. Who's, who's still kind of gangly. He's still trying to pack muscle and weight onto his body. So he's, you know, he's, he's stuck in that spot of just being like kind of a, you know, a a baby deer on the ice where he's trying to get bigger and trying to get, get it going in the flow of things. But, but you're right. I mean, you know, all the, the, the dumb rumors that came out of Buffalo about, you know, oh, O'Reilly and Eichel weren't friends. Well, they were. <laughs> they didn't get along in the room. I'm like, well, I can tell you the opposite. <laughs> like, they, they, none of that stuff was true. Um, you know, they work out together in the summer, for crying out loud. Like, they, they, things like that. Like, if they hate each other, they're, they're showing a funny way of doing it. So, um, but like, those are trades you can't lose. Like, that's, yeah. a, that's absolutely a trade you can't lose. And, you know, their whole thought was like, well, at least, you know, we get a first round pick out of it. And for half that year, it seemed like it was going to be a lottery pick. And then St. Louis flipped the switch in the mid-year and won the Stanley Cup. So it ended up being the last pick in the, in the first round. So, you know, uh, everything about that trade ended up being a classic, you know, classic Buffalo sort of, you know, when it comes down to it, because, you know, they get Saboka, Saboka wasn't good. They get Patrick Berglund and he didn't want to be traded. And, you know, he didn't want to go to Buffalo and ended up, <laughs> he ended up leaving. So, I mean, you know, it's just everything about it was just not, I mean, it was just, a, it was classic blunder, you know, and, you know, that, that I think that that's going to be very fresh in their minds if they have to move Eichel. And, you know, if he, if he has the no move hammer on it and he says, well, I want to go to the Rangers or I want to go to Boston. You think the Sabres really want to send him to Boston? No way. No. Like mm-hmm. you got to yeah. play, you got to play him eight times, you know, in a season like this, you'd have to play him eight times a year in a normal season. You have to face him four or five. So, you know, you don't want to do that. You don't want to send them to the Rangers because that's that's another team you're competing for the playoffs with. So, you know, and if if it comes down to a point where they got to trade them, I mean, you're calling the LA Kings, you're calling you're calling the Ducks, you're calling somebody like that to say, listen, we gotta we 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 need to move them out of here. And listen, we'll take Andre Kopitar for the last couple of years and also give us. You know, maybe give us can you know discuss Quentin Byfield, discuss you know say give us Turcotte, do something like that, or you know you t- you talk the Ducks, talk to the Ducks and say give us Drysdale, which they would never do. So, <laughs> you know, it's 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 things like that where, you know, if they're gonna make these moves, you you got to be right about them. But also, you got to find somebody who can tell ownership like, hey, listen, I know how you feel about this, but let me handle things. I've got I got control on this, and I think the worry with Adams is that because he's such an internal hire for them. Like, I mean, he was coaching, he was coaching like 
you know, uh, a youth hockey team and was running the Harbor center. And then suddenly he's the general manager of the Sabres. Um, and that's no knock on him. I mean, he's, he's been around and he's been around hockey forever. So, I mean, I get it, but also it has all the images of him being a yes man and doing, doing what ownership wants. And that's, that's what everybody's worry is when it comes down to it is that, you know, everybody is pretty convinced that the Pagulas don't know how to do things here. And I think everything about their history of running this team certainly seems to show it. Um, and they're worried that, that Adams is just a, a friendly face to put in front of that. So I know we've been talking a lot of doom and gloom and obviously the season two has been pretty gloomy. I mean, you had that historic, what is it? 18 game losing streak. Something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A terrible losing streak, you know, not a, not the return people wanted in the trade deadline for like something like hall. Are there any positives to take away from this Sabre season at all? Well, I, I think the positives are happening now. Um, people are loving what Don Granado's doing. Um, I think it's because he's a polar opposite of what Ralph Kruger was where, you know, Ralph, a lot of what Ralph was doing was just about the message and, you know, being positive and trying to carry it forth. But none of those results happened on the ice <laughs> to say the least. And, um, he's getting positive play out of the, out of the players. Now it may not show up in, in some of the advanced numbers, you know, like, but I mean, you watch how some of the guys play and you're like, Oh, they have freedom to do these things that they're actually good at now. And you, know, you see it in, in the play of guys like, like Darlene, you know, Darlene, his Ralph's style of having the defense attack was just to launch slap shots from the blue line. Don't pinch in. Don't, you know, don't join the rush. Don't do anything like that. Um, but now you see Darlene being creative in his puck handling and being able to join into the offense, you know, bring four guys into the attack in the zone and um, being able to use what makes him a, a great player. Um, things like that, where it's just, it's basic stuff, you know, being able to use these guys the right way and, you see it a bit now with um, with everybody. I mean, you see it growing with Middlestat. You know, Middlestat's becoming a, a looking like a much better player now than he than he has before. Um, he's finding ways to tap into these guys and lean into their strengths, and that's leading. It's leading a lot of people to think that he should be the next head coach, which I don't agree with uh, because there's a lot of really good candidates out there. Um, but at the same at the same point. If Don, you know, if Don stays on with uh, with the team and he's and he remains an assistant, give him more of a voice to to kind of help out um, because it certainly seemed that he did not have any opportunity to do that under Kruger. Uh, so they're they're doing things that are they're more interesting, which is which is better. They're playing harder, which is good, um, but they they don't seem like a lot like a lost bunch on the ice now the way they were under Ralph, and I think that's. You know, going from being a very boring, overly defensive team to a team that's just kind of leaning into what makes their players better is is way more interesting to watch <laughs> at the least. Um, and they're having more success doing it. So that's that's a big part of it, too. But, um, but this is a, the way they're playing now is certainly more an argument of learning what your players have as opposed to just putting a system in place and saying, all right, this is the way forward. And if like two out of 20 players thrive into that system and everybody else is struggling, then maybe that system isn't for you. All right. In a, in a few minutes here, we're going to do two sections of rapid fire that I just thought up off the top of my head. <laughs> but uh, before that, we're going to take a quick ad break. And it seems like there's going to be a lot of movement in and out of Buffalo in the next couple of years. And that means that everybody's going to have to keep their vehicles in tip top shape. And if you want to keep your vehicles in good maintenance repair, you want to check out rockauto.com. 
rockauto.com is a family business serving audio part, auto parts customers for online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Chain stores cannot carry all of the parts that you need. Why sit there dealing with countermen when you could go right online, find the part that you need, look at different kinds of manufacturers, compare prices right away, and make a purchase from rockauto.com. You have a computer at home with access to rockauto.com and in your pocket. Just open up your phone, open up your browser, go to rockauto.com and make some selections. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps and motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks directly delivered to your door. Rockauto.com's catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand's specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us section and they'll know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com one of the things that the Sabres have done recently is make a lot of bad bets. Well, if you want to make some good bets, head on over to Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing with playoffs just around the corner. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook. Promo code locked on. So, Joe, I got some rapid fire questions here. I'm going to go just by in two sections uh, one for the young guys and one for the older guys on the Sabres. And I want you to give me a quick answer for the young guys if they're a core piece or just a guy. And for the older guys, if you keep or sell. So we'll start uh, the youngest, Dylan Cousins. Is he a core piece for the Sabres? Absolutely a core piece, 100%. He's, he's impressed you this year? Yeah, I think he's he's really stepped up. So much to, to the point that um, when he got in a fight with uh, from the Rangers, Ryan Lindgren, he got in a fight in that game in the middle of their losing streak. And every, a couple of people in Buffalo wrote they should put the C on him right away. So, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a core piece. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't move him ever. <laughs> okay. Uh, Rasmus Deline. Core piece. I, I know some of the bloom is off is, is off the, the rose this year, but um, everything that I saw as rookie year under, under Phil Housley and what I'm seeing now is more him as opposed to the zombie version I saw under Ralph Kruger uh, where he was, at, he was basically chained to the blue line. So uh, yeah, core piece, find a coach that can work with him for crying out loud. All right. Casey Middlestat. <sighs> that kind of says it all, doesn't it? The yeah. Big, the big sigh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, highly questionable, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, I think if you get a good trade offer for him, I think you can, you can move him and not, not worry about it, but you're finally seeing something out of him now. So you kind of want to ride it out. And I, I think that's really the spot they're in. Like, I, I don't think you're overly committed to him. But at the same point, you don't want to give up on him yet because he's still what twenty two, yeah, twenty two years old. So yeah, yeah, I, 
I, I'm not going to call him a core piece, but I think you want to see him grow. All right. What about uh, Henry Yokiharu? Another guy who's benefiting with with Ralph Kruger gone and him playing with Darlene like that. That pairing has been pretty strong um, since Ralph's departed, and they work very well together. That they didn't work well together before uh, for for whatever reasons, um, but they they seem to work well now. And uh, you know, again, he's super young super young and he's right-handed. So it's, it's all the things that, that, that you like to have. And I think we're going to see the better of him in the years to come. Now, now that, now that, now that there's been a slight regime regime change, um, I, I think they're, I, I think they'll be better off with him, but I, are you overly committed to him? Probably not. But like I said, right-handed young defenseman that can, that can play the way he can. I don't think you want to give up on him. All right. Perfect. On to the older side of the ledger here. Uh, so just keep or sell off for future assets. Jeff Skinner. Uh, I think you're stuck keeping. Uh, yeah, you kind of are. I mean, nine million a year is tough, um, and I, I I don't think the production is going to keep up. I mean, I think maybe that forty goal season is going to end up being his his high point at this point, which is really rough considering. But it goes back to my argument: don't let ownership make decisions for you. Um, because I don't think Jason Botcher wanted to sign him to a $72 million contract, but, but they, uh, but they decided otherwise. So, uh, you keep him because you have to, but also lean into his strengths so that you can get the most out of him. All right. Colin Miller. Uh, hope Seattle takes him. Honestly, Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, I think that's the move there. Um, there, there was some talk that he was, that he could have been had at the deadline, but, um, I don't think you're. I don't think you're overly committed to him at this point. If, if you can get a, a nice price for him, then uh, yeah, that's, that's cool. All right. And Rasmus Ristolainen. <laughs> <laughs> if you can find somebody to take him, send him. Um, right. uh, just somebody to not eat up 20 plus minutes a night playing questionable hockey. Like that would be, that would be nice. All right, and we've got to wrap this up, Joe. Thanks so much for coming with us. But I have one last quick question for you: Linus Allmark or Carter Hutton? <laughs> it's Linus Allmark all the way. Yeah, I, so. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised you didn't mention him in your positives for the season because he's been—I think for me, like he's been like one of like the major standouts for Buffalo this year. And I, I hope they get to keep him because I, I feel like he's carved himself a path here, at least for me, yeah. anyway. Yeah, I think I think he'll stick around. Um, I, I don't think they'll give him a five by five deal, but they'll keep him. All right. Thanks so much, Joe. It was a pleasure to have you on today. Yeah. It was awesome to talk with it, with you both. It was plug uh, your it was stuff before you go. Yes, yes. Definitely plug some stuff. Find me, find me at that hockey show every Thursday. Uh, you can also find me at die by the blade on occasion when, when the mood hits me uh, also AP AP sports savers coverage. When, uh, when, when I get the call out of the bullpen to, to help out there and all sorts of random podcasts and, and appearances all over the internet. Perfect. Thanks so much, Joe. Thanks guys. Really appreciate it. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. We've been talking about Built Bar every episode so far on the podcast, and Mary and I are very excited to get in our hands on our Built Bars. It was one of the big benefits of joining the Locked On Network is their partnership with Built Bar. Uh, the new and improved Built Bar is even deliciouser. They have six new flavors that you can check out. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, 
lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. All those sound pretty good to me. I think I would be really interested in the lemon almond cheesecake because I love citrus in uh, this kind of stuff. But uh, I, I'm just excited to get my hands on some built bars. I am currently in a program of my own design trying to get back into shape. And I think built bars are going to help out on that journey, trying to work out every single day. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew and they're perfectly healthy for the health conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The built bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for the keto diet. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. All right, we're on to our wrap-up segment, and it is a time. It is time to get to know Mary and Andrew with a BuzzFeed quiz. And Mary picked out an awesome one for this week, which really speaks to me because I am a Marvel geek through and through, all the way from when I was a little kid, and I was watching the old X Men series uh, with the greatest intro song of all time for a TV show. <laughs> well, I'm glad I I'm I, I'm glad I figured that out because I think. In our one of our BuzzFeed quizzes, you mentioned Marvel, so I was like, "Oh, Andrew likes Marvel." So I think I'm gonna I think I was gonna pull up a BuzzFeed quiz that mentioned Marvel, and I figured I found one out. So glad we glad we were able to do this. It's which three Marvel characters are you a combo of? Yeah, this is exciting. So we'll mm-hmm. get through it real quick. Uh, it says uh, first, how would your friends describe you? Funny, loyal, hopeful, tough, charming, or fearless? Mm. My friends say I'm unintentionally funny. I don't I don't want to put that because that makes me that makes <laughs> me seem too not unintentionally funny, but apparently the things I say are unintentionally funny, but I'll go loyal. So I think my my friends think that I have a, a penchant for speaking up all the time, so I will say fearless. Right, I can't I say like that it. I am fully that all the time, but I definitely have an issue with shutting my mouth. <laughs> what was your favorite subject in school math english science pe history or art science for me really i love science i picked english it was like one of the only things i was good at i was not good i mean i enjoyed science but math i i really disliked science i enjoyed depending on what type of science it was but english was my favorite yeah i hated math in, in school and then all of a sudden i started writing about hockey and i was like hold on there's math to do with hockey I it's like only a little now. it's only a little bit of math that's why i'm able to that's why i'm able to um stand it i let the smarter people do the math for me and i just analyze <laughs> what they're talking about so <laughs> the best mm-hmm. if you could only watch one tv show for the rest of your life which one would you watch breaking bad how i met your mother Grey's anatomy parks and rec buffy the vampire slayer or game of thrones mm. oh my god this is so tough this is oh. because i've only seen a few of them i'm sorry uh and I don't want to pick Game of Thrones because of the ending, but like, yeah, do I terrible. pick just do I pick Buffy because uh, I Josh? Buffy so I know, but Josh Whedon. Eh. I, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I don't know if there's right. a good answer for me. I'll here. go Breaking Bad because of Josh Whedon being an awful person. Yeah, I'm I love pick- Breaking Bad. It's fantastic. I've watched it through, I think, four times. It's mm-hmm. probably my favorite show of all, all time. But Buffy is. That was like a formative show for me. Yeah, and I was I watched it in college a little bit and I never I ended up never finishing it, but I did enjoy it while I was watching it. It's just I'm just I'm going to pick Game of Thrones. I minus the last season. I'm going to do it because I think of all those shows that I don't I've never I've only seen a little bit of Parks and Rec. 
seen a few seasons of Grey's Anatomy, never saw How I Met Your Mother. I know I'm a horrible person for watching for not watching these shows, but we'll take more TV, Mary. If I could read the book of Game of Thrones, I'd rather do that than watch the show. I'll just I'll leave that out there. That would be better. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where would your safe house be located? An island, a small suburban town, a farm at my parents' house, a highly populated city or a cabin in the woods. I think if I'm going to have a safe house, it's either going to be a farm or an island because both would have like more immediate access to like resources to keep you alive. Right. So like an island is kind of like a self-contained ecosystem, a farm. You could actually grow things yourself. I think I got to go farm though. Like I'm going an on an island. island. I want to have the views. If I'm, if I'm going to be stuck in a safe house, I want to have the views. Yeah. I'm just thinking a farm would be a little bit uh, easier to maintain because an island is just mm. so much you can control. Pick a superhero name, Solar Flare, Shadow, Alpha Dog, Bronze Assassin, Captain Atomic, or Bolt. I'm going Solar Flare. I was going to say that, but I'll pick Bronze Assassin. I, I'm a, Bronze I very Assassin. much like the, I like the, I like rogues and stuff um, mm. and like fantasy stuff. So that I, seems cool to me. All right. Choose a color scheme for your superhero outfit. There's like dark red and black, blue and gray, uh, light green and light orange white and gray pink and white white and purple uh uh, green and black red and blue fuchsia and teal uh teal by itself i guess is what that would be i think the whites i think the whites are part of the those colors like it's like a set of four okay but it's like okay okay yeah yeah it's 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 laid out gold and white or blue and white yeah, it's laid out confusingly. Um, it is. Okay, but if I'm okay, I have to go back. If I'm the bronze assassin, I'm gonna have to pick the one with bronze in it, which is, I guess, the the red, blue, white, and gold bronze. That's, I guess, the closest to bronze in here. I'm gonna. I wouldn't have picked that normally, but I'm being realistic and picking the same color I would have picked for my superhero name. All right, and I'm gonna be the standard lame boy and go with the darker colors with the red and the black. Mm. That is very nice. All right, pick a DC Comics character to team up with: Harley Quinn, Batman, Superman, The Flash, Black Canary, or Wonder Woman. I mean, I don't think I want to deal with Batman's moping, <laughs> but Superman's also a little bit too peppy for me. Harley Quinn could you just like turn around and kill you out of nowhere. Got to go with Wonder Woman. See, I would have picked Wonder Woman, but I like the representation of the the CW's Flash on here, so I'm gonna pick uh, the Flash. The Barry Allen Flash. Yeah, I watched a little bit of that show. It was very fun. I just yeah. uh, I watched. I used to watch those shows, uh, but they got to be so much since there were so many every week. I just fell off the bandwagon because it, it was too much to handle. But they were fun. Yeah, it's it's a little bit much to commit to, like a twenty six episode hour long, and then series. multiply that by like four, or however many of them they have at the time at the yeah. time now. So it's a lot. Mm-hmm. After a day of fighting crime, what's your go-to snack? Cookies, popcorn, apple, granola bar, nachos, candy. I'm going to go super shill and say granola bar, but it's a built bar. <laughs> you can shill. I'll take the nachos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nachos. I'd rather have the nachos too, but I'm going to shill. <laughs> All right. And finally, choose your favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Uh, Captain America's Winter Soldier, Captain America Civil War, Black Panther, Thor Ragnarok, Iron Man, or Guardians of the Galaxy. My favorite is not on here, but the best one on here, in my opinion, is Captain America Winter Soldier. I was going to pick that, but what is your favorite Marvel film? Infinity War. All right. I respect it. 
I respect it. All right. So I got mine. All right. I got mine as well. Who wants to go first? You can go first. All right. I got Black Widow, Okoye, and Bucky Barnes. You're a combo of Black Widow, Okoye, and Bucky Barnes. You're intuitive, practical, and fearless. You're someone who would sacrifice your own well-being for the safety of those around you. You've survived a lot of hardship, and you've come out stronger on the other side. All right. I'll take it. Yeah, I got the same thing, actually. And I'll take it, especially <laughs> yeah, especially after the year we've had. I'll I'll take that. I'll take coming out stronger on the other side of all this. I mean, we still got a ways to go, but feeling that light at the end of the tunnel feeling. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So thanks for listening. Uh, we appreciate every listener here. If you like the podcast, please tell all your friends about it. We're really excited to bring this to you every week and grow our audience. Uh, check us out everywhere you can find podcasts. If you stumbled upon this, you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Podchaser, Megaphone, Odyssey, everywhere you can think of that you can get podcasts. You can subscribe to this podcast and give us a rating. We greatly appreciate it. And we will talk to you next week.